Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. What is up, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. Today's guest is Hyla Nairi, the co-founder of 437 Swim. Now, I remember a few years ago when I was in Toronto thinking about starting a business, I saw 437, which is a swimwear brand which and, and a Toronto native brand, which totally popped off. Okay. Everyone was wearing it. It was this like cool swimwear brand and it was a Toronto brand. And I just felt so inspired watching, you know, a brand from my city really take off. It was like one of those kind of expanding moments for me because I've always been the type of person that if I see something being done, I know that it's possible for myself. And I remember seeing 437 and Nish and I would talk about the brand because we were just so impressed by what they were doing and the founders. And I don't know, seeing that made me feel like, oh my gosh, it's possible for another Toronto brand. And so it was really cool for me to have Hyla on the podcast. She is such a cool chick. We talked about her experience building 437. She started at a really young age, all her learning lessons. So it's a great episode for entrepreneurs. Something else you can expect to take away from it is really understanding kind of, I guess, finding balance as an entrepreneur, which is a difficult thing to do. We also talk about things like feminine versus masculine energy, which has been kind of like a recurring theme in a lot of conversations I've been having just because I feel like as an entrepreneur, you can tend to lean a little bit or a lot um, masculine when I feel like a balance of the two energies is really what's required. So we get into all of that. I'm really excited to bring you this conversation because Hyla is such an inspiring female founder, fellow female founder, fellow Canadian. And I think you guys are going to take a lot away from this conversation. Now, before we get into the episode, this week's hot tip. All right, you guys, I found or I bought rather, it's called nippies. Okay. (laughs) And it's essentially like these like I wouldn't call it boob tape because it's like much better than boob tape, but it essentially like 
holds ev- like molds and holds everything up, you know, however you want to shape it. And it's essentially like a nipple cover with like a little bit of lift. I actually found it through Devin Brugman. Shout out to Devin. And um, it's a great recommendation for anyone who is not wanting nips to show under their clothes. You know, it- it's a really helpful thing because obviously, like since I've had my breast reduction, I've been able to wear you know, things without a bra, but sometimes it's nice to have your nipples covered so it's not showing through your clothes. So had to put it out there. The one that I have is the Nippies. It's called the Nippies. Ah, it's called Nippy Skin Lift. And I have the bigger size for size. Yeah, it's size two for D plus cups. And I have the third shade, like the third darkest shade or like the middle shade. There's like five shades right in the middle. It's really good. It's reusable. Highly recommended. All right. This week's review comes to us from Riddick's Run. And they say, I've been listening to so many podcasts on wellness, health, beauty, and fitness. Not only do the hosts get on my nerves (laughs) with either their self-promoting or stupid questions, et cetera, I couldn't stay loyal. Oh my God. I stumbled upon Sifat and fell in love. I instantly started binging and within a week I've caught up to episode 32. I wanted to write a full review. So found her here on Apple podcast. Thank you for being the voice I needed to find. This is such a funny review. Riddick, I'm so glad you found my show and that, you know, me as a host, I resonate with you. Hopefully I continue to ask good questions that keep you engaged. And if not, you know, hit me up, shoot me a DM and let me know how I can improve. But I really do appreciate reviews like this. And you guys, if you feel like the show brings you value, I so appreciate every rating and review. Like I cannot say this enough. All you have to do is open the Apple podcast app, scroll down to the bottom where it says rate and review the show. If you feel like the show brings you value, please give it a five-star rating. And in the review section, tell me what you're loving, your favorite topics, guests you want to see, your favorite guests, any information you can give me. It helps me show up as a better host, constantly delivering content that you guys are interested in. And also it helps get the show out to more people. It tells Apple that you guys are enjoying the show, which is always so helpful. So, you know, I really, really appreciate when you leave me a review. It honestly makes my day to read them. So if you have a couple of minutes, please take the time to do that. All right. With that, let's welcome Hyla to the Dream Bigger podcast. The first thing I wanted to ask you is that you guys started your business in your early 20s. What advice do you have for young entrepreneurs who have an idea? Because I mean, I don't think you knew that it was going to scale the way that it did when you got into it, I bet. (laughs) You know what? I'm happy we started right when we had the idea. Mm -hmm. Because like anything, it takes time to to realize what it's going to become, right? So the earlier you start, the earlier you either make changes, you pivot, you fail, you grow, you learn. If I started now, that means like all of the difficulties of like those first few challenges would have been now and then would have happened after. Right. So I think the earlier you start, the earlier you can really figure things out and make changes. And, you know, I I think also a piece of advice I would give is that it's not as glamorous as it looks. And I'm sure you know that. Oh, my God. Yes. 
And like, also, <laughs> I mean, let's ch- like I'm hoping that as a community of entrepreneurs, we change that it doesn't look so glamorous right? because it really isn't. Mm-hmm. But I also understand that when we are in our most difficult moments, the last thing I'm trying to do is share and get on my phone and cry in front of the camera, honestly. I, I am totally with you, Hyla. And like, I think it, like it's really interesting, right? Because when it comes to showing like the ugly of entrepreneurship, right? Like you are literally putting out a fire and you yes. have no time to document what that's like. And I, I like you'd, you'd actually have to have a camera crew following you around. Like, I don't know how founders do it, like to go on camera. Like, I don't have time to explain. No, just fucking crushing whatever issues there. There's so much happening when you're putting out fires that that's like your mental is like the thing that once you put out the fire, it's like, I need to rebound. I need to go back into my meditation. I need to go and take care of myself. I need to make sure that my boyfriend, I haven't been in contact with all day. He's doing good. Like Mm -hmm. there's so much more that we need to do after putting out these fires and getting on my TikTok and showing, hey guys, here's this extremely stressful thing that happened. Here's me crying. Here's me like losing my shit. That's the last thing we're going to do. But I don't know. I think maybe conversations like these are what's really important because we just I think it's so important that people know that it's not just these fun, you know, panels and podcasts and shoots and influencer trips. That's not what it is. It's the all the things you don't see that are extremely difficult. I would say like 70 percent of the time (laughs) is like really tough situations. But like as an entrepreneur, I think that you have to you like that's what we signed up for, you exactly. know, and you almost have, you have to, to like enjoy the chaos yeah. because it's not going to be like smooth sailing. And I think no. that, you know, we, we almost yes, some days are really, really fucking tough, but it's yeah. almost like you don't really have a right to complain. And my dad told yeah. me that because I remember early days where things would really stress me out and I take things like it, they would hit me emotionally. Right. Because mm-hmm. I was I felt so emotionally tied to my company, which is so normal, you know? The ego, the pride, yeah. the, all of it. But my dad, because he's an entrepreneur as well, and he's yeah. like, you don't have the right to be upset no. about this. This no. is the life you chose. And if you don't want to deal with it, then you weren't cut out for this. And I was like, huh, you're it's right. It's so true. Every career has its pros and cons, has its challenges, has its wins, has its perks. We know that these are the challenges with entrepreneurship and this is the one that we've signed up for and we are best capable for for these challenges. Totally. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. So let's talk about like on this same note, because I think it is really important to kind of give people a behind the scenes of like, you know, the non-glamorous bits. What was one really, really big challenge that you guys dealt with behind the scenes, which maybe people don't know? There, there has been so many. And I'm talking every single year, I think there was a specific aspect that was a challenge for us. Mm-hmm. So the first year was supply chain <laughs> and manufacturing. Like, yeah, oh my, especially when you're a small business, they're not taking you seriously. No, oh my gosh. No. These like six months to get the product, right? So those were challenges, you know, getting our money stolen from us, what? from a manufacturer. Sorry, what? We need to. Oh yeah, what, we what? lost $30,000 from a manufacturer in New York, right where we're sitting down the street, honestly. Wait, how? What happened? Wait, am I allowed to ask that? Of course. Yeah, of course. That's totally okay. So we, obviously we were manufacturing and we decided to do one collection design in New York because, you Uh know, we wanted to do it closer to home. So we came out to New York and we met up with this manufacturer. They treated us really good. We were at their space and we're seeing really top brands here, Mm -hmm. like 
all like even designer brands being mm -hmm. produced here. They took us out. They treated us good. We figured out our samples there. We're like, we placed an order, $30,000. We paid them at this point. Next thing you know, their email responses got a lot slower. They all of a sudden now they're not responding to any emails and they've stopped picking up their phone. And at this point, I've already promoted some of these styles. Rookie mistake. Entrepreneurs don't show much, too much of the samples until you have a really, you know, solidified supply chain because we had influencers ready for it. Our community was ready for these styles. We're supposed to launch two months from now in the summer. It was our only summer collection design. This was our first year of the company. And $30,000, we were not getting paid at the time. Do you know how much, how good splitting $30,000 between my co-founder and I would have been? Anyways, we were like, what's going on? I call my friend, Matt, who's based out in New York. I said, hey, can you check out this place? Because we're uh -huh. in Toronto. He goes, he calls me. He's like, Hyla, I've got some bad news for you. They're not there. Mm -hmm. The front desk said they've like fled overnight. They just what? ran away. They're gone. It like apparently was like this empty looking like in the movies where you sh show up and it's like wind blowing through the window. It's It was like that. Nothing. We've never heard anything from them since. And, you know, people ask, you know, why don't you take it to court? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, the Canadian business. Effort, yeah, it's like I'm a whole like, thing. It's it's not. Yeah, it's like not even worth it at that. It's, it's a write off. It, and it's yeah. a very painful write off. Very painful, especially at a time where, I mean, listen, $30,000 is a lot at any stage of a company. Yeah. But what like 30000 was close to like a almost like how we were making in like four or five months of the business at the time. That's insane. Like, wait, so what about all those brands that they were affiliated? Like, were they all like fake? I, no, because I literally saw rows and rows and rows of stuff. So I I think that they probably went through the same thing. <gasps> yeah. Or maybe they had different procedures in place that pr protected themselves. I don't know. Oh my God. So then you what did you do? You can't prevent yourself from these things. Honestly, sometimes we literally looked at each other. I remember we were in our place at the time and we said, we need to figure out a solution. And I kid you not, our solution became one of our value propositions as a company. So we had our styles that we already had, we were already selling. We quickly call our original manufacturer and say, hey, listen, can we get them in two other colors, right? We figured out a way to get them in these new shades. And what we did is we tried on these bathing suits and we said, can we tie this top any other way so that it can be a different top? Mm -hmm. And in that trial, we found 12 different ways to wear our Kenzie top. Oh my, but that's like, that is 437 right now. We we were the first brand to come out with the 12 tops in one. And that is what propelled 437. So in that crisis came a blessing. And that I think is a really big lesson that we've kept that mentality is that you will always get fires thrown at you and you have to have this solution oriented mindset at all times because there will always be a solution. Yeah. And also I think that it's a real learning moment as well. Like I feel like every step that a company takes or an entrepreneur takes, it, it's like a leap forward, but that leap happens on account of everything you've learned the stage before. Yes. You're building. Yeah. And yeah. so if you don't go through something like that, it almost doesn't prepare you, mm. not just from an operational standpoint, but like from a revenue standpoint as well. Because if you think about it, who you were as an entrepreneur at like a million dollar revenue company versus like a 10 versus probably like, you know, like how you get to a hundred. It's like totally different. You know what I mean? Completely different. I think you're, oh my gosh, phased a lot less. 
Yes. Like yes. I, things happen all the time. And you're just like, okay, yeah. solution. Yeah. I remember like yeah. early days, you know, things would happen. Like our manufacturer is late and I'd just be there like bawling. I called my mom up being like, they lost our products. <laughs> like literally yeah. ugly crying. Yeah. Now I'm like, ah, oh, okay, no problem. What's next? Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, this, this could be a lot worse. Yeah. yeah. You know, and ugh, you're, you're right. Have you ever painted a room? If so, you know how gnarly that process is. Who has time to go back and forth from the paint store to their house like 600 times in order to find the right color? I mean, if groceries can be delivered to our door, paint shopping needs to be less painful. And thankfully, it is thanks to Claire. Claire is an innovative new e-commerce paint startup that takes the hassle out of paint shopping with a streamlined selection of designer curated colors peel and stick paint swatches, and premium paint and supplies delivered straight to your door. In other words, they're out to disrupt the outdated and extremely inefficient paint industry, which is something I am all about. Unlike traditional paint brands, which overwhelm you with thousands of colors, and my God, this is the worst part of the process, Claire focuses on fewer, better colors expertly curated through an interior designer's lens. Listen, you guys, I have a billion decisions to make in a day. And the more I can take out decision fatigue, the easier my life becomes. And so that's essentially what Claire is doing. If you need a little help choosing a paint color, you can try Claire Color Genius, a fun two-minute quiz that's like having an interior designer help you choose a paint color. You answer a few easy questions about your space and your style, and Claire delivers a personalized paint color recommendation for you. I mean, that is like gamifying the whole paint process. How fun. Claire has literally thought of every detail to help make your paint project easy, inspiring, and hassle-free. It's no surprise, obviously, that it was founded by a woman. The paint industry is very male dominated and legacy paint brands feel overly masculine and unapproachable. So it's really refreshing to see this new woman-led brand take such a fresh approach to paint shopping. Claire is offering you guys a special discount. Visit Claire at www.claire.com slash dream bigger to get started and receive 10% off your order. That's www.claire.com slash dream bigger for 10% off. Enjoy. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Are you going on date after date and still not finding the one or getting a text back? Well, you're probably doing something wrong. And I am here to tell you exactly what that is. I'm Lindsay Metzlar and I host We Met at Acme. It's a dating podcast that gives you all the rules and guidelines that you need to date successfully. Hey, it worked for me and now I'm married. So you really should give it a listen if you haven't already. And you can also hear the horrors of dating. Everything that you want to hear is in We Met at Acme. So check it out.
having been through that experience, what do you do differently today to protect you against that, that like you can teach to other younger entrepreneurs? I think speak to referrals if you can. That's one, like I really like, a lot of people are not sharing their manufacturers, rightfully mm-hmm. so. But I genuinely believe that if there is a way you can find a place where you know the person who's placed the order, mm-hmm. I think referrals in any part of business, referrals are always really important. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that's not the case. And I think that you have to really start in small batches. Mm-hmm. How's the communication right off the bat? Are they communicating fast with respect? How did the sample arrive? Mm-hmm. They send it to the right place on the right time with the right shipping courier, right? You have to take a look at these things because those little things end up being, oh, I should have seen the signs that they were really slow with their emails. You know, they were acting this way. And then I would say the third thing that we've learned is we don't like to promote anything until either it's in the warehouse or at that point we have like an established, okay, we know it's coming. We have solutions ready if it doesn't come. We have backup inventory, things like that. But at the beginning of a company, when you're just banking on that shipment, I wouldn't start selling it, especially pre-orders, until you have a really good indication. Because we've even had moments where our our boxes got shipped to Amazon's warehouse. Mm -hmm. They never found it because obviously it's huge and down the street from our warehouse. So what do you do in those situations, right? So, Oh my God. That's actually a really, really smart tip. So I think that the like going from this and like how you made the most of this, like your Kenzie top situation. (laughs) Talk to me about marketing because I think that it's something you guys have done exceptionally well. And so how did you start kind of gaining that traction, Mm. especially being from a city like Toronto? Because Mm. I mean, we were talking off air, but we have a common friend, Maggie, and we were out on a walk earlier this week. And we were talking about like how, in a city like New York or LA, you have this like huge support system of like other founders. It's like a very tight knit community. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you're almost like built to succeed. Whereas Toronto's a smaller city, let alone like five, six years ago, it was completely different. Now it's more up and coming, but back then it wasn't even what it is today. So what do you feel like were the success factors in like your whole marketing journey? I think one of the most challenging parts about our journey became one of the reasons we were able to market. And it was because we were the customer Mm -hmm. and that, you know, no investors, not influencers, you know, no network that was in the fashion industry, the influencer industry. Like we were just two girls coming out of business school who were supposed to be like consultants and investment bankers or marketers, right? But we were the girl that was on Instagram following the influencers. Mm -hmm. We were the girls that were on Pinterest. We wanted to have that style like the blogger. We wanted to travel like her. We were that girl. Mm -hmm. And I think we were just really in tune with speaking to ourselves. How would we want to be spoken to? What influencers were we following? What sort of content did we like? And we were so inspired by so many female entrepreneurs, but mm-hmm. they were, a lot of them were influencers at the time or coming from LA and New York, like you said, mm-hmm. right? And I think what we were just able to do is really try to speak. And I think community and humanization at 437 is something we really like to prioritize. Mm-hmm. And it's just in our DNA, mm-hmm. like community over everything. Like if we can bring something for Toronto and make it special, we do it whenever we can. You know, if we can show our team behind, like we have our close friends on Instagram and it's just 
people are so in tune with like our nail polish color we post on our close friends or like the books we're reading because, you know, we just want to speak to that girl because like we are her. Mm -hmm. I am her. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. there's no difference between like I'm living this like insane life with like two million followers and like it's really unrelatable. It's like I'm in your position. I'm in the workout classes with you. I am you know, taking the public transit in Toronto with you. And so we're really trying to speak to who we are since day one at 437. And even as we're growing, you know, now I'm 27. I'm not the 21-year-old that's we that co-founded the company. So how do I speak to now 27-year-olds? What are we doing? How are we traveling now? Mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. are we wearing now? When you started, was your strategy to appeal to like kind of capture the Toronto market before you went out to everyone else or it was more so like kind of global? Such a good question because we actually started in Kingston, Ontario, where our university was at Mm -hmm. Queen's. And I remember thinking, we're not trying to be a Kingston brand, no offense, but Mm -hmm. like such a small university (laughs) town, right? And we're like, this was when like literally e-commerce was just budding, yeah, right? Shopify yeah. was just budding. And we were like, well, I think the whole point of these online companies is that it doesn't matter where I am standing. Mm-hmm. It's about where we are actually marketing towards mm-hmm. with like influencers, ads, like whatever it might be, right? So we actually, because brands and in- entrepreneurs were not really like a thing, like, mm-hmm. you know, in Toronto at that time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we were like, I don't know if it actually is a thing. So we're like, we need to go and make a big like globally or like at least North America, like US first and then bring it back. So mm-hmm. we really didn't disclose like 437, where is it from? Where are we? We just wanted to kill it. So we worked with PR agencies right from the get. We really worked on celebrity placements. We really worked on influencer marketing. We just wanted North America, like US and Canada to mm-hmm. be saturated with just, you'll see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then when we when we got a little bit of credibility, you know, and again, we're still a small business, but for, for us at that time, yeah, we were like, okay, now Toronto, like this is like now we put up a billboard that summer. We started throwing events in Toronto. This was like two years into the company. Mm-hmm. And we were we're so proud to be from Toronto. But we really just wanted to prove that, listen, like we can get excitement and momentum beyond Toronto first. And now almost like we prioritize Toronto because that is our big support. Like that is home for us. But still to this day, U.S. is our, our bigger customer base. I, I think this is such an important conversation because I, and as like a Canadian brand myself, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of went through this whole thing as well, right? Yeah. Whereby I think that if you market yourself as like Canadian, Canadian first, okay? Yeah. Right from the get-go, you almost get boxed in as yeah. this cute Canadian brand, you yeah. know? Whereas like I think that if you are a little bit more voracious in like your pursuit, right? And you know that, okay, like I want to go for North America in general. Mm -hmm. You can then focus in on that, like in Toronto, like just like you guys have, you know, after you've kind of like already made a splash and you're out there. Exactly. It's not like we're not proud to be from Toronto, but we actually want to solidify ourselves North America first and then bring it back. And now that we're, have more perhaps money to work with, then we can have bigger events, more opportunities for Toronto, hire more in Toronto, Mm -hmm. right? And I think it really goes full circle. Yeah, I I remember when I first started seeing you guys pop up, it was like from big influencers, like celebrities were wearing it. And it was really cool later, like around that same time when I was like, oh, they're fucking Canadian too. Like, look at them, you know, like they went and they did the damn thing. And it was, it was just really cool to see that you guys 
weren't just kind of focused in on the Canadian market, but instead you were like, okay, no, we're going to take everyone. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. It was really cool. No, it is interesting. And I think nowadays, you know, the market has definitely shifted. I think that, you know, you can be really like local and proud and Mm -hmm. really hone in on that and try to saturate a lot more in that one community. Mm -hmm. But in the world of e-commerce, why box yourself in? Be proud of where you're from, but you know, our, I mean, our shipping rates are actually better to the U.S. than they are to Canada. So can we talk about this? Because <laughs> what the fuck? I know we dealt with the same thing. Like, I, I remember, like, I mean, for for like a long time, it was just like shipping out of our own apartment. Right. And right away, it was like the rates to the U.S. were cheaper than Canada. And we were shipping from Canada back then. And we were I like, know. what the hell is going is on? Going on? Yeah. Like, why is it cheaper for me to like literally ship something across the border yeah. to a different country, yeah. even to the West Coast in L.A. <laughs> yeah. from Toronto versus to, I don't know, Saskatchewan or Vancouver in oh, Canada. And, and faster in the U.S. Like, come on, make Our it Canadian make sense. customers were so upset. And I was like, trust me, like we are trying here. Yeah. Canada Post doesn't no, like us. No, like they don't like us. <laughs> I don't know. It was anyway. Yeah, they need to figure it out. They really need to figure it yeah. out. Honestly, I could go on and on about this. But yeah, it's it's like a real thing. Absolutely. So something you guys, I mean, you, you've talked about it that like you really did hone in on community. Yeah. And I think that's something you guys have done, which is almost like I see it as like two arms of a marketing umbrella is community and influencer. OK, and I feel like you've gone hard on both. Of course, they bleed into one another as well. But talk to me about community. Like, what are some kind of scrappy ways that new founders can focus in on community? This is great. I actually just spoke about all of this in the course when I was filming a month ago. So uh, I've got like eight little tips and tricks. But yeah, I can hone in on a few here. But community, there's online community Mm -hmm. and then there's in real life community. Mm -hmm. So it really depends. Like, are you a brand that you're working out of Bali and you're trying to target the U.S.? Then you're focusing on online versus Mm -hmm. if you are in person, like a Toronto-based brand, Mm -hmm. for example, or LA-based brand. For a community like that, I would say start with events, right? But again, hey, we just started out. What Mm -hmm. what do you mean an event? Mm -hmm. As you scale, the the size of the event scales too, right? It could be something really small, like going to those like pop-up markets where your brand is there, right? And then as you grow bigger and collaborating with other brands and doing pop-ups together is such a great way to save money. So smart. And you're getting double, triple the foot traffic. So I'm always thinking of ideas like that. But ultimately, it comes down to the person responsible for community. So mm-hmm. at 437, I led up the marketing team when my co-founder would lead up the design and operations. So we're the same, by the way. Are we? Yeah, yeah. Like, niches, I'm all creative. Niches, all operations. <laughs> and we're both sitting here yes. right now. Yeah. <laughs> And, and actually, by the way, that's so great for business partners. So, because you never want to do the thing they want to do. They don't want to do what you thank don't want to do. Like, she would not want to be doing this. And I don't want to totally. be looking at a screen. And Adobe. honestly, if you're doing the same thing, like, how are you covering more ground? You have to divide and conquer and, like, yes. really play. Like, if you, if you guys both have the same strength, sorry, don't be co founders. Just don't. 100%. And I know we're going off topic, but actually, I had a business coach this week tell me, why are you two on the same meetings all the time? Like, overview like mm-hmm. leadership meetings but often every single week many times a week like why are you guys on the same calls when you guys are really thinking almost in the same way because mm-hmm. on a leadership standpoint we really do think the same yeah so it's just like focus in on like what you guys are strengths are you don't have to be on like the design call up totally at the same time yeah I'm I'm absolutely with you and such a good point because 
I think it's something that Nish and I realized like early on. So like obviously like first year of business or first eight months of business, we were both on every single yes. call. Yeah. And then we're like, wait a minute, like this is just a poor use of our time because yeah. we are like the, the main thing is that overarchingly we have the same vision. We align on that yeah. vision. We're really I mean, we live together and we're <laughs> married. So it's like literally all we talk about. But as long as you're aligned on that, why not divide and conquer, you know? And efficiency and mental health, like all, it Truly. plays into all of that. Yeah. Why overwork ourselves oh when it's already really stressful? It's totally. And like, <laughs> it's it was funny because we were at a meeting with our PR team this morning and Nish had no idea what we were doing. And I was like, good, like, you know what? You don't need to know. And I got this. Yeah. And frankly speaking, like sometimes I'll go in on like one of his meetings, like randomly. And I'm like, <laughs> what? But I know he's that's got good. it. Yeah, that's so, like me on the ops team. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Actors are going out. We're good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's it. That's all I need to know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a really good tip. And I think that, like, if you have a co-founder, if you're looking for a co-founder, yeah. make sure that skill sets are, like, complementary yes. and just fucking stay in your lanes. Two people don't need to be doing the same shit. Yeah. Not necessary. Okay, back to community. Back to community. Okay. I think it's really important to... It really helps having a face of the brand or the founders or it, it is nice. It's not necessary because I totally understand some people don't want to do that, but it is someone to connect to. And at least maybe in Duolingo, it's a, the, what is the, it? The, the owl or the owl whatever thing. it is. Okay, yeah. At least a point mm-hmm. to connect with is really important. Really being out there in the community. And, oh, I guess what I was trying to say is these sort of things, you know, coming and speaking whether it's like your local podcast or going back to university and speaking to a classroom on marketing, for example, like Adrian and I make a point every single year to do about like two to three like university talks mm-hmm. and even do like campus tours where we bring product there and sell because that is our up and coming like customer, right? So that is a really great way how to build community, get them familiar with your team. And even if you don't have a team yourself, People are like, oh, I don't have an aesthetic office. I'm working out of my basement. Show that. Like, that's actually a huge part of community. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm thinking community as like this, this feeling of just closeness and re- relatability, you know, and people can actually be like, okay, it's not just this brand with budget and I have no idea who's behind it. Like, I think community comes from being able to connect with the brand and it's it's the intangible. It's like the, in this world, as we both know, like how many competitors pop up, like the amount of bathing suit brands that are launching every single day, right? Why are people going to keep coming back to you when people are going to constantly copy your exact product? Like they're Mm -hmm. taking your styles to your man, to a manufacturer and saying, I want the same fabric, the same cut, right? Why are people going to come back to your brand? It is your community. So it's something that we really prioritize a lot now. And especially as the influencer marketing world is also shifting, are the influencers your community? And that's, you know, what we're really understanding now. Yeah. I mean, I could not agree with you more on the point that you said about like a face, quote unquote, to the brand. I think people inherently like to buy from people and people like to root for people. Okay. I think that nowadays there is this whole element that consumers almost expect that like I will trust a brand if I know kind of like who's there. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know, like, I just think it's this relatability and that's Absolutely. kind of what people like. I think, I don't know. It's like maybe like the whole TikTok Gen Z universe where everything is like authentic and raw and out there. People kind of want to peek behind the scenes. Yes, you they know? do. But you know, what's so interesting is that in that same world of having a face of the brand, I can see why a lot of people don't want to do it because we also live in a world where you are under 
a microscope. Yeah. You're like, so scrutinized. I, I, I'm, I'm so curious as to like how you feel about it because you also are super engaged on social. And it's like sometimes I get scared to like voice my opinion on like something about the company or how I my thoughts on this community or influence marketing or whatever that might be because I am scared that like there are people out there that just are waiting for your one mistake. And to be honest, if we want to be in a world where we see more businesses succeed, especially female run businesses, we actually need to almost applaud mistakes because these are people putting themselves out there for all of us to see their mistakes, right? Like no one's perfect. Imagine us running, like imagine someone who doesn't know how, who isn't running a company is telling someone how to do it better. Yeah. I mean, it's cancel culture is very strong. It's very scary. It's almost like bully culture at this point. It is. Cyber bully culture. It is. Not really cancel. When someone trips or like makes a mistake, it's like, what are we not allowed to do that anymore? Are we not allowed grace anymore? And like what we're just going to yell at someone who does make a mistake. Like how does someone learn from that? And the crazy thing to me is that people think with canceling that they're going to teach this person a lesson. But we actually did this diversity and inclusion training at 437. And we brought on this like HR team and they actually taught us the difference between calling in and calling out. And calling in is when, okay, like this person did this thing that's wrong. And I felt some type of way about it. I'm going to reach out to them privately and say, hey, like what you did really upset me in this, this way. And you see how they respond because that's actually gives them the, the moment to learn from it versus you're going to put them publicly and humiliate them. All they're thinking in that moment is, I am mortified. How could I do this? Like they're not, how can they even process that mistake? Right. And and then there's no deep learning from it. No. Right. And you're almost then like resentful, you know, and especially like, I think if people's like certain people's personality types, right. Like it doesn't teach you anything. Like I found that anytime I've tripped up in life, right. I like learned something from it, truly learned something from it, not berated about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I just wish that as a community of, of women, because a lot of these negative comments also come from women. I know. I and know, it's so Hila, sad. It's and insane. I'm like, you know, first of all, if you're ever going to call someone out for their mistake, p- before you put that message, write your biggest mistake in life first. Could be work, could be relationship, could be the time you shoplifted, whatever. Put that first and then call someone out. Because then you'd start seeing not many people calling people out anymore. But then secondly, what I'm seeing with cancel culture is that they're not even saying hey, so-and-so on their pictures, they're not commenting, oh, you know, you're not, I would have preferred to see you say, they're saying, you suck. You're the worst business owner. You're, I mean, that's what I'm seeing out there. It's like, who raised you? Like, you're, it's really like nasty. It's not really constructive whatsoever. And I'm like, and you just, and you don't have a profile attached to your name. (laughs) No. That's hilarious. I mean, it's, it's pretty insane because like, listen, I think as a founder, we yeah. can both agree that we are very open to feedback. Okay. Absolutely. I, I'm not perfect yeah, whatsoever. No, absolutely not. I am not perfect. I And I know that like in order to get to any level of like, growth. you know, growth, yeah. you actually have, like you have to learn from like whatever you're doing wrong. And this is, is this your first time being a business owner? Yes. <laughs> Same. I mean, how are we going to get it right all the time? We're not. No. Imagine figure skating for the first time. Yeah. Okay. I'm, <laughs> true. I'm sure I'm going to fall a bunch of times, mm-hmm. especially trying to do the tricks and jumps, which is what we're expected to do as things scale when we're not ready for it. Yeah, people are. And, 
you know, we've had conversations, amazing conversations with customers who've given us feedback, yep. but like coming from a place of like genuine caring, you know, and there's like a way to deliver feedback of being course. like, you know, you can do this better, whether it's like an operational issue yes. or packaging, whatever yeah. it is like shipping to, I don't know, yeah. you know, a hundred things versus I can't believe like this is the standard. Yeah. And I'm just like, what, what like know. what? And it's like, they'll comment on a photo of like your businesses first before even reaching out to your customer service. And then your customer service might be like, you didn't put your address in right. But then they're like, I didn't get a package for like a month. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm far from perfect, but I do think that in my journey now, five years into the company, almost six even, I am so much more in my element of prioritizing my mental health, my well-being, my spiritual health you know, improving myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And you just realize that like, you don't want negativity in your life anymore. It can come from like unhealthy criticism. It could come from stress. It can come from being, you know, looking out for negative comments of yourself. And I think it's just so important to focus on like your inner well-being because I've really gone through this journey and like no amount of a successful company or money or influencer trips or cool PR events that you get invited to, or even just customer feedback. None of that will make you like, none of that is worth sacrificing your health. Mm -hmm. None of that. Yeah, I agree. Your health is so important. And how many times have we seen successful people really unhappy, right? We see it all the time. Why? Because success does not bring you happiness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you're passionate about it, like we are about our companies and our ethos and our visions, you do it because you love it, but never to jeopardize your health and your wellness and your inner peace, like that that voice inside of you. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And actually on this note, speaking of mental health as a founder, mm. because this is actually something that I am currently dealing with and I'd love to know your thoughts. You know how like your business really takes up literally all of your mental real estate, Mm -hmm. even whether it's on the weekend or whatever it is there. It's always there. What are things that you do to kind of like prioritize your mental health? That's a really great question. It's not easy. It's not. And I will honestly say right now I haven't figured it out Mm -hmm. fully, but I will be transparent and say, I'm very much working on it. I just did a three-day seminar. My entire weekend was on stuff like this. Mm -hmm. I'm enrolled in so many different self-development courses and spirituality courses. You know, last six months ago, I did a two-week full detox in Thailand. No phone, no food. Like it was just a complete fast. It was everything. Wait, okay. (laughs) How did you even step away to to do that? Like what You have to set that boundary and you have to say this is important. Yeah. And also because I want my team even to think in that mentality. Uh-huh. I never want my team to be burnt out. I don't want my co-founder to be burnt out. And again, like I said, I genuinely believe that nothing is worth your health. And to be honest with you, a lot of this comes from my mom. She was a dentist by trade, but she had a bunch of dental offices by the age of like 45. Mm-hmm. And by the time she was 50, she sold all of them. And she just bought a little land in Ecuador because she started getting sick. Mm-hmm. So when she noticed she was sick, she sold everything. She went to India for a few months, did a punja karma. She, whatever she had, the disease, she cured it by herself. And she realized that she was just going and going and going. And 
it was really making her sick and mm-hmm. she wasn't even happy. And mm-hmm. she's like, Hyla, every single day she tells me, Hyla, you seem so stressed. Oh my gosh, you're 20, at the time, 23. Why are you so stressed? She's like, it's not worth it. Like no amount of money, no amount of having Forbes 30 under 30. Like it's not, what are you like, even having an incredible woman around the world feeling confident in their bodies in a bathing suit is not worth you literally getting sick at the age of 50 and having to give it all up. Like there are ways to balance it out. So I've just learned through her that I need to make it a priority. I sit down with Adrian and I say, we need to do this Mm -hmm. or else the company is doomed. So I think to answer your question is that I remind myself that I'm not 437 because that was a huge issue in my life a couple of years ago. That ego attachment, that and the general attachment. But mm-hmm. then when we get a negative comment, oh, I would just be in that for days or positive highs. I would just be on this high for a long time. Right. Then I just realized that like, as much as it's my baby and it is a big part of my life, I am, there's so much more to my life than that. And that is why I really started prioritizing like retreats, you know, more quality time with my boyfriend, my friends, travel, family. And mm-hmm. like, you really have to do your hobbies. Hobbies are a big one, like dance, walk, cooking, right? Because when you genuinely believe that like you, 437 is me, I am 437, you are just at the mercy of its performance. That's not healthy. Honestly, like so important because I think as an entrepreneur to like preserve your mental health, you have to be stoic about your business because you can't like your happiness can't be determined by this thing that is so kind of volatile you know every startup is every startup so is imagine if your mental health was that exact same diagram yeah. of a and, startup and that honestly like okay. for the first over a year Hila, like that's how it was for and I think every every founder yeah, goes but, through this where like they are so emotionally attached to their business that everything is personal and it just can't oh, yes. be you know like I think it's it's really good that you bring it up that you can't your entire personality cannot be your brand. It's just, you can't hinge your entire happiness on this one thing. Absolutely. my I'm grateful that I've really worked towards my mental health during this whole journey, but my darkest days over the last five years have always correlated with an attachment, an ego attachment or a personal attachment to 437 and it's ups and downs, but in those moments, the downs, right? And so- I'm telling you, like my genuine passion right now in this stage of my life, in this stage of my career is to inspire women that if you want to have that success in that company, incredible, like you got this, mm-hmm. but you have to make sure that you're prioritizing your health, wellness, and spirituality. I'm very into spirituality and just making sure that that's a really big part of your practice. Because again, like I said, make sure you're balancing all of that because you, you get to the point of success, any however you define success, and then you're like, you still want more. You still want more. So then at what point do you, what point do you start focusing on that health and that lifestyle? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting that you say this because I remember last year we were going through this like very, very extremely like critical and super busy time for Ray. And I stopped working out. I stopped cooking. Mm. I stopped doing literally everything. Like I was so consumed by this, like this critical juncture. And I remember being like, Nish and I would talk and I'd be like, 
we'd both be like, oh, we'll, we'll work out when this is over. Like, you know, we will start cooking when this is over. And then we realize that like, this is, it's not over. Like this is once it. this is over, it's like another thing and it's never easier. It's never stable. No, it's never like smooth sailing. And no. so after that experience, and then at, like when we were going through this whole thing, like it was like really, really busy, ended up having an accident, like literally as we were nearing this, the end of this like busy period, which wasn't the end of a busy period at all, you know? Yeah. And then after that, I was like, I'm never doing this again never. because it's just not worth it. And so now, no matter how busy it gets, I, I've like not gotten to the point where I can take like I can go on a retreat, although like I need to learn from you and like we'll hopefully chat. I will get there. Yeah. But I at least have very strong boundaries around what I am and I'm not able to compromise on. So like, yes. you know, for example, I don't care how busy my day is. I am going to work out. Yep. I'm going to go out in the morning for my walk and I will not take a meeting in that like sacred one hour time frame. Everything can wait because if not, like, how do you like, how do you care for your business if you've not cared for yourself? And people might have the excuse, well, it's three years. Then I'm trying to get my company acquired. So it's just these three years. No, because let's just say for my own example, let's 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 just say 437 has a super busy period for four years. Right. And then I'm like, then I'm going to take care of myself. Well, then what if I want to have a baby at that time? As if a baby is any less work than a company. Absolutely yeah. not. I mean, it's so much work. Then what? Oh, I'm not going to take care of myself because I have a newborn. Oh, then I have a toddler. Oh. It's always one thing or the other. It so just doesn't get easier. You just have to have those priorities. Your non-negotiables. What are your non-negotiables? And yes, as a busy woman who wants to have it, almost all of it, you almost need to be like, okay, what am I willing to sacrifice? Mm -hmm. A couple things, right? Sometimes I know when work is really busy, I don't always cook. Yeah. I might just take out or get like, I make easy dishes, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes, right? Or when I hang out with my friends, we're going to do a workout together so I can do a two-in-one, right? Or I'm not going to go out late at night because I have to wake up early. You have to know where you're sacrificing at all times. But like you said, non-negotiable for you, it's your workout and your walks, you know? And, and for someone else, it might be this and that. Their, their family day on Wednesdays, they always go and see their grandma for lunch. Mm -hmm. Whatever brings them that inner peace and that joy, joy is so important. And sometimes too much in life, too much stimulation, too much, oh my God, on the go, on the go, you lose that joy. And joy is such an important word. I don't think we use it enough. I agree. I joy. agree. And I think it's so important to like constantly center yourself and reflect back on like, okay, like is my life bringing me joy right now? Oh, it's not. What's missing? When things are moving so fast, you're almost like reactive versus proactive. And I think asking these like big questions kind of helps bring you back to like your purpose, you know? Yes. And I, I don't think it's worth doing life unless like you have joy in it. Absolutely. And I know that a lot of my time now gets focused on, you know, the courses I now sell mm -hmm. about entrepreneurship and, you know, how to grow a company, how to scale a company. But I'm really wanting to make sure that people understand that it's it's not just you focus in on that and you're like losing sight of everything else. And that is sometimes my worry. And that's why I make sure like in the courses I am speaking to the, the holistic approach. But I know that as like entrepreneurs, it's so easy to just have that goal and just work towards business. And you're like, I will do anything it takes to get this and this and this. You just realize like things like certain titles, certain that million dollar mark, that Forbes list. It's just 
I mean, it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's an, if you don't it's an have, awesome like, business yeah. accolade, but genuinely your relationship, if you're in one or who you are with your relationship with yourself, your family, genuine friendship, and then like time for those hobbies that bring you joy, like that's life. But of course, having that career that brings you fulfillment, like you, you put that all together, your spirituality, your learning and growing, like that's, that's what I'm aspiring to. And I don't have even yet. But I'm working, you're working on it, on it yeah. at least I think like just the self-awareness and conversations around it, I think is really important because for so long it was like just hustle culture. Right. And just kill yourself. Nothing matters. Sleep when you die. Yeah. Like, no, what? I want to no, sleep now. I'm going to get my nine hours tonight. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though, you know, and so I think it's, it's really important that entrepreneurs do speak about this and are candid about yeah. it and like you know, we're on a journey. I'm by no means close to there. I'm sure you aren't either, you know, you're better than I am, but like, you know, you're working on it. And I think that new entrepreneurs also like, especially, you know, six months, a year into the business, you're still a rookie. I think that like rookie as in like, I mean, we're all rookies, but like you tend to be like really emotionally attached and you feel like you, your success is defined by the success of your company, but there's like, actually it's much more multidimensional than that. Yeah, it's just it's one of those fine lines you just have to be very careful about. Yeah, it is very difficult because it's your baby. It's your, you know, and you just have to make sure that your ego doesn't really get attached. Yeah. And I remember where like for a long time, it was like I was so focused on my career that all of my relationships took a back seat, And mm-hmm. I realized one day that I was like, I've missed so much. Yeah, I've missed so many milestones with my Mm -hmm. friends I have I've been like a shitty friend you know and and then I was like I'm not gonna do this again like Mm -hmm. if my friends need me I'm gonna be there not just in the bad but like good as well yeah because who's gonna reach out to you when things are going bad if you can't be there to like celebrate all the wins and like and like wouldn't you say that even during those critical building years where like you really have to be head down if you stepped away to go to that friend's birthday would it have made a impact. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have. Right. And like, that's what I think you don't realize because you're so in it. But I wish I could go back and give my younger self this piece of advice that I know that our career is important. Okay. Like it's like, I mean, it's everything, but those relationships are so important. Like you can't just take them for granted. You can't expect that you can put everyone else on pause while you're out there, like pursuing your your own shit and everything will be the same when you come back years later. That's not how it works. No. So I know. I, I literally feel that as well. Even not even just like that spending time, but was I present when I was on the phone with totally, my family? Totally. Was I there? Was I taking care of myself? Mm-hmm. Like I know. I really I mean, I loved going to dance classes, tennis class. I haven't done any of that in forever. Salsa lessons, like that stuff brings me insane amounts of joy. And I don't remember the last time I, I did one of those. So so important to just remember that like when you're on your deathbed is mm-hmm. what I hear is that no one's thinking about how much money they have in the bank it's account or, or did their company have a million customers. They're just thinking like, did I make an impact in this world? And was I happy? And was I there with my family and my friends? And I don't know. I just like to think about that deeper stuff now yeah. and this yeah. stage, right? It seems like us both. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You mentioned spirituality. What kind of practices do you do for that? Spirituality. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have certain practices? Yes, I do. Meditation is one that I'm still a work in progress in. Mm -hmm. I make a time to do it. I wouldn't say I'm like the best at it yet in terms of like my patience. Mm -hmm. You know, I get that jittery feeling sometimes after that like 10, 15 minute mark at this point. Mm -hmm. 
Spirituality to me also is sort of like the connectedness with my well-being and life beyond. Mm -hmm. Also, I think doing retreats, doing self-development, but not in like the finance self-development. It's just more of like the inner peace Uh self-development. Reading books on that, waking up in the morning and doing gratitude. You know, spirituality doesn't always have to look so voodoo to some people, right? Like to me, spirituality is, do I feel connected? Mm -hmm. Is my soul connected to something greater? Mm -hmm. Taking care of myself. Like spirituality is when you are doing your skincare, are you feeling present in that moment, right? And I, you know, how many years ago is it now? Five, six years ago, before 437. Yeah. I went and became a certified yoga instructor, not because of teaching yoga. I'm like not flexible. So like... I, you know, I wasn't thinking about teaching yoga classes, but for the spirituality, I went to one of the most origin like yoga Mm -hmm. centers, like very from India type Mm -hmm. of yogic practices. Yoga is not just the poses. It's really is the way of life Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that's come from India. And I did a lot of that. And that really started that like spirituality journey for me. But I will a thousand percent admit that spirituality is definitely hasn't been on the forefront, Mm -hmm. but it's something that my mom always brings me back to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So going to Thailand and doing those sort of retreats and you're doing the chanting at night and you're doing the yoga and the meditation in the morning, like that to me is that holistic spirituality that I'm striving to incorporate more into the day-to-day rather than feeling like I need to do a retreat or a seminar how do you, what's that, what's that? How do you practice it every single day? That's what I'm working towards though. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's, it's important and people should kind of think about it as well, because I think that, you know, the same way that we tend for our mind and body, I think like spirituality or soul is super, super important as well. And I think like we, we have to nurture that part of ourselves. Absolutely. And doing the inner work to me yeah. lately, I've been doing that childhood, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Very smart. important. Love that. Okay, so we've discussed so much, but before we wrap, I want to do a quick rapid fire. Let's do it. Okay, so what is one habit that's a non-negotiable for you? Working out every day. Love that. Okay, same. What's one business book that you love? Oh my gosh, so many. You know what? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I don't talk a lot about my real estate, Uh but I think as a smart person thinking about finance, it's what are you doing with your money? Really important to think about. What's your best wellness tip as an entrepreneur? It's so based on each person. For Mm -hmm. me, it's getting enough sleep. But I think sleep and what you put in your body, an inside out approach for me is so important because that's how you perform. Mm -hmm. Like we're focusing way too much on makeup and skincare. Let's focus more on like what we're putting in our bodies. Love that tip. Hyla, this has been so fun. Tell everyone where they can find you. They can find me personally at Hyla Nayeri on Instagram, and of course, at 437. And if anyone's interested in starting a business or even scaling their business to a million plus, I have two courses at how-tf.com and you can find everything entrepreneurial related there. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Siv. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week.
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.